welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me as usual. No guests this week. So in the B block instead, Leland and I will be taking a fan recommendation. He tagged Leland and I in it a few weeks ago, and we were finally able to get to it where all of the episodes of The Office were ranked. And I know Jeff loves The Office as much as Leland and I, so I know he was wanting to get our feedback on it. So that's what we're going to do in the B block this week. It's the fan recommendation that he'll probably skip. <laughs> yeah, he'll hate it. He'll That'll make him think twice before recommending something like that again. So <laughs> next time we'll get, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe our favorite he's, he's UVA uniforms or something. Like top, top UVA Wahoo yeah. you know, basketball yeah. player of all time, and we're just gonna fail at that list. So. Oh, Ralph Sampson. <laughs> End. All right. We got number one. But I don't know. If that's yeah. Heard of Staples? I don't know. <laughs> but let's dive into the A block, and in the A block, let's talk high school baseball first. Riverheads. They took out Fort Defiance in a big win for them, but. Then an extra inning loss to Buffalo Gap. So remember when we said Buffalo Gap, yikes this week, you got some big games, not sure how that's going to go for you. Well, they got one of them, and they were able to take it against Riverheads, which is a big win for them. But Riverheads on the flip side, they beat Fort, kind of making this a three-team race, Leland. Yeah, and I I don't think that shocks me that we're in a three-team race. It doesn't shock me that no team is just going to run away undefeated. I would have been... Really surprised from the very beginning if we just said one team's going to be undefeated. Um, I felt like that Riverheads win against Fort is probably what made me like, see, yeah, not everybody's going to go undefeated. So it doesn't shock me that Riverheads dropped a game there. Uh, maybe to Buffalo Gap, who had, had suffered some some disappointing losses the week before, uh, the margin of those losses, uh, but a big win for them. So I'm happy for them that they get that. They're still on the outside looking in, in the 2B ratings, in the Shenandoah district, mm-hmm. everything. They have a lot of work to do, and and one win against Riverheads is the first of many needed steps for that team to get where they want to go. But it does bring everybody back to you know the one loss in the district between Fort Riverheads and Wilson, and really just sets up a lot of great games ahead of us between those teams. Uh, you know, this week we get Wilson at Fort, and later in the week Wilson at Riverheads. Wilson has a hard week this week, yeah. but you win one or two of those games, and then you're sitting on top of the district with two and one. You're you're still tied for first probably. So, um, or, or right there knocking on the door. So it'll be very interesting week moving forward after a very interesting week last week. I mean, the other games that were interesting Fort defiance beaten draft last week and Ryan cook still tearing it up. You know, that that's the story of the season for Fort defiance is what Ryan cook can do. And, and the other talent they have there, but I, I just think we're going to have good, you know, that's what's nice when you have three headed monster in a, in a sport is you're just going to get good games every week. Well, I think, you know, we mentioned Gap getting the upset of Riverheads, and you had mentioned, you know, for them to get in that 2B playoff, it's got to be the first of many. This week's a big week for them because they play draft on Thursday, but before that they have Stanton. So you kind of need that Stanton game if you're Buffalo Gap. And then a game against draft, not out of the realm of possibility, but if they don't win that one, it gets hard to envision them sneaking into that top four in 2B. Yeah, and and I mean, 2B is loaded, and it... And mm-hmm. it it's kind of scary how 2B looks, but they've only taken the four teams. It's going to be scary. Is any Shenandoah district team going to make it? Which just seems crazy to me with what we expect. That's that way in draft. Yeah, it's that it's that way in a lot of these spring sports. When you look at the right. ratings, 
we have maybe one team, and they tend to be in the three to four slot, not up high. So Shenandoah District in the spring is kind of beating each other up, and that's not helping these two B teams. No, and and it seems like Stanton's, other than their soccer, boys soccer, it's not the strongest season for Stanton teams. Um, so that plays a big part in it. I think Stewart's draft in baseball, I'm not saying they're not what we've, you know, we just didn't know where they were going to be. And, and they've lost, um, you know, what has draft lost two games mm-hmm. in the district. So you might not have expected that the girls soccer in the spring uh, here for Stewart's draft, not, you know, where they were previously. So it, it is just kind of surprising to look at these two B ratings where I feel like the Shenandoah district is usually very strong in all sports and especially football and, and, and basketball. We hold our own generally, you know, Stanton's been good. Uh, Stewart's drafts made their runs. Um, but yeah, in the spring here is just not looking as strong there, but I I'm really trying not to look too far ahead because I think the Shenandoah district for baseball in particular is just really fun to watch. I, you know, I just, yeah. I do think, when you see Buffalo Gap knocking off one of those top teams, knowing that Stewart's draft is kind of sitting there too capable of winning big games. They have a lot of talent there. Um, I, it's just, I think almost everybody can beat anybody any given night. I I'm sliding one team there and I, I, and I may not get specific about it, but it just seems like most teams can beat every team. So it, it's pretty cool in the district. And I I'm looking forward to watching this week. I, I really want to watch scores here at the beginning of the week. Uh, the two big games of the beginning of the week draft at Riverheads, Wilson at Fort. Uh, those are really big games. And then, and then, like I already said, Wilson at Riverheads at the end of the week, just a huge game. Um, and even look at that gap draft game. Like those two teams sit beside each other. They play on Thursday, you know, which one of those teams kind of get the leg up on the other one. So it, it's all playing out really in a really fun way for baseball. Well, and, Moving on to softball, keeping it on the diamond here. You got Fort Defiance right now. They're the leaders in the district at three and zero still. Wilson sits there at three and one. Gap is one and two. Uh, draft two and two. Riverheads only the one district game so far, and Stanton zero and three only, as well. Only one game played so far. They yeah. haven't played since uh, the eleventh. I, I there's I haven't heard any official reports, but I think we can all assume what's happening there if they've only played one game and been taking the last two weeks off. So. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it's. The baseball yeah. team's played, so it's obviously not weather, and that leaves you with one possibility. But, yeah, Fort Defiance is being led by Lillian Barry still, and it just seems like every night when you see their score, you see what kind of you know complete game, uh, near no-hitter, near perfect game, uh, and then doing it at the plate, too. Uh, you know, she's just a dominant player, and we've seen great softball players come to that school. We talked about Megan Good last week and what she did at Fort Defiance and then went on to JMU to do. Here's Lillian Barry doing a great job, and I believe she's headed out to – Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. It's like Oregon State, I think, she's headed to. Um, and 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 if I've mistaken this, I'm sure Patrick Hyde can correct me. But <laughs> she, I mean, top-level talent. I mean, you're going to play in the Pac, Pac-12 in softball. That's yeah. top-level. I mean, that's uh, – I know SEC is very good. ACC, we have a lot of pride in the softball. But at Pac-12, I mean, national champion UCLA is defending champion out there. You're playing in that league in softball. You got it. So she's awesome. Um, they have a huge game this week against Wilson. Those are the two top teams in the, in softball this year. Uh, so far Fort Defiance and Wilson, they play early in the week. Um, so that's just the game to watch this week to see what comes out of that. I, I would think Fort's favored, but Wilson's had some impressive wins this year. Um, you know, they took care of Stanton handedly last week. Uh, but what surprised was the Buffalo gap loss. And, and again, I, I keep saying this in, in these diamond sports, you know, 
losing to some of these teams not embarrassing when you get beat 12 to one that's an eye-opening loss for a team that's only lost one game they and they beat good teams otherwise uh so Wilson losing that game but then coming right back and really taking care of Stanton um is a good sign but you just haven't seen Fort Defiance have that dip yet so so I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what Wilson and um Fort Defiance do early in the week see if Reagan Frazier there at, at Wilson can get things going for them um the Diggs Hayward girl or the Brooke mm-hmm. Kaysen. I mean, all of them good players have been producing for them and, and big victories for them. So see what they can do against Fort defiance. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see. And again, I think it, the, the thing with softball and it, it appears to be the same way with baseball and you touched on it, you know, Wilson and Fort playing with three C going to be about as tight as it is in two B in terms of these spring sports these Fort Defiance Wilson Memorial matchups, each mm-hmm. one is super important because you don't want to fall behind. One of them's going to make it, and the other one's going to have to depend on some kind of wild card. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be waiting on a wild card because we've seen, uh, what was it, girls basketball? They barely make it a, a season ago, a, a year ago. Um, you know, you're just, you're, we're wondering, we're all, you know, counting PowerPoints or however they're going to figure it out at the end of the season. You don't want to be that. You just want to be at a higher ranking than the other one inside that three C. Um, so yeah, I, it'll, it'll be big time here to see what they can do on a heads up game. Going over the pitch now on the boys side, Stanton got a win, uh, early in the week over draft, but the real surprise came when they went to Wilson and tied two two. Both teams staying undefeated. Now both teams with a draw against each other. That was a bit of a surprise because I think you and I and both years. felt that Stanton <laughs> was going to just run the table, especially on the boys' side, and, and that's not what happened. Yeah, I mean, they, they gave up a goal against Stewart's draft, and that's not an absolute shocker, um, but they have run through the Shenandoah district for years now, and... So they gave up the goal, and I don't even know if it made my eyes open more. I was like, okay, well, there's a goal, and they, you know they don't have to worry about trying to maintain that. But then when I I didn't see it till final, the two two against Wilson, just I mean it's been a while since they've been really challenged in the district, and uh, good for Wilson. I mean Wilson's yeah. a good soccer program. Um, they were with Coach Wigand there. They've continued it now. Hey, where I work, I get to watch them practice about every day, and uh, so. I, I good for them. Uh, you know, I, I have the previous ties to Stanton soccer. So uh, I kind of, you know, root for them and, and, uh, Kyle Stenzel's buddies still on the team there, but you know, good for Wilson to, you know, as much as we get these teams that are, are dominating the district and in, in certain sports, not every sport, but certain sports, you know, we look at riverheads and football. Like I, I'm not against teams challenging these other teams. I, you know, I, it's better for the district if, and, and the region, if these teams are better tested, and uh, I'd like to think this isn't showing Stanton's weakness. I just think it's showing Wilson coming on up and, and maybe caught him on a good night or, you know, Wilson's just as good as Stanton kind of thing. So the fun thing about that, they get to play again. They'll play on Monday, June 7th. Circle it on the calendar. If you're going to go out to a soccer game this year, that might be the one to catch at Stanton. Because, I mean, 2-2 tie, that was just an eye-opening result. And uh, I'm looking forward to when those two teams face again and see what you know, we just assumed a lot about Stanton. So now what are we assuming about Fort? And are they going to, you know, get, get in a pattern here of dominating teams? They're undefeated. Are they going to, you know, be able to dominate the way we've seen Stanton dominating? So I think that's something to watch these next couple of weeks until they face each other again. Well, and uh, you know, I'm going to harp on it again, and we'll 
just flip it over to the girls' side momentarily, and it kind of compares with the boys' side. On the girls' side, we see Fort and Wilson. Those are the two dominant soccer teams in the area on the girls' side. And with Wilson's boys getting that tie against Stanton, it, we're, we're seeing it across the board in the spring sports. The Class 3 teams in Wilson and Fort Defiance are almost, a, I think yeah. all of them, just right there at the top of the Shenandoah District battling. Uh, and Except for maybe the Fort Boys soccer team not up there with Wilson's. But um, every other sport, it feels like Fort and Wilson, if they're not the only two teams that have a realistic shot of winning a team championship, they're they're definitely two of the teams up there in a group of three or four. And it doesn't shock me that Fort's one of those teams. Fort's in all these spring sports, it seems like they have had a pedigree of, of good spring sports. I remember mm-hmm. Fort Tennis back in the day. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago. Well, and softball. Uh, plus and, and but more. we've already touched on uh, Fort Soccer, very good. So it doesn't surprise me. We know their baseball has been good, is good. So, yeah, it, it – Fort's kind of holding up to that level. I think Wilson has had their shots here and there. Uh, Wilson baseball generally is good. And then, and then the Wilson tennis uh, and, and their soccer's had their moments. So uh, here it is this year uh, kind of all happened at the same time. That's great. And, and I like it for the area. And as we talk about for the class one teams, I think it's good for these class two teams, especially if this can kind of continue. If, if these class three teams are, are good in the spring sports, those class two teams are going to come up to them. You, that, if that bar is getting raised, these other teams are going to come to it. It's just going to make those class two B teams better when they get into the postseason there. And and Stanton will be joining that the class three C uh, next year. So the district will be a little more evenly spread out. We'll have three teams in class three, uh, I guess, or four teams because Waynesboro's coming in. Yeah. So it will be class three heavy. Uh, but Buffalo Gap going to class one, and then you'll still have draft. Uh, there in class two, I guess just draft. So maybe not quite as even as I thinking it was because uh, of both two teams moving out of the way. But um, yeah, it's going to get three class three heavy and uh, it's only going to be better. If these teams are good, it's just going to make those other teams better and raise the bar. And I like it. Yeah. So with tennis, again, the region tournament will be starting here soon uh, for the boys. Yeah. It starts May 27th. Yeah, it actually um, there was. There was region tennis today, and I know Wilson didn't fare as well as we hoped they would. Oh. Uh, I was seeing seeing reports here Monday night uh, where uh, so is it the regional region championship is the twenty seventh maybe maybe the team matches. I think some individual stuff uh, was going on tonight, and this this is like you know we're top news reporting podcast here. We are. I'm having to look up on my phone here. Yeah, from Cody um, Chase Pullen from Wilson got defeated by Western Albemarle's Tobin Yates. Uh, so that looks like an individual thing. So uh, the Western Elmore player there will, will move on. And then Western Elmore girl um, advanced out of the region there uh, to go. And she actually knocked off somebody from LCA. Two uh, Wilson girls players got knocked off on the way for that, too. So um, not faring as well in the region as as we were all hoping. Uh, but still, I believe the team matches start here um, in the region tourney here in the end of the week let's move to college jmu they are going to the super regional to play missouri they did it by needing a kind of surprisingly close extra inning game against liberty there in the first game they won four to three played the fight song for the folks at liberty as i drove by on 29 so they could hear it in case they didn't uh on their tvs 
Then JMU beat Tennessee 3-1. And then in the second time, they played Liberty a little more comfortably, 8-5. Uh, well, despite falling behind. Well, but I mean, yeah. once they got the lead back, it was kind of like, okay. Um, and that punches their ticket to play Missouri, which, again, for me, this is the benefit of being that two-seed in the Knoxville Regional. If you were the one-seed, this is you're not going to play Missouri. You're going to get bounced in L.A. So at least now, playing Missouri... You, you beat the number nine team. So the number eight team is not out of the realm of possibility. I think this is a very winnable super regional for JMU if they're playing their game well. And if they win, then you go to the College World Series, which would be great for that program. And it oh starts goodness, Friday night at 9 o'clock on ESPNU. Saturdays at 7 on ESPNU and Sunday. Hopefully they don't need it because JMU sweeps them. But if it's yeah. Sunday, it's at noon or 2 p.m., depending on how other super regionals play out. So this isn't my dominating my life uh, portion of the podcast, but uh, softball this weekend dominate my life. I watched what they played 24 innings. JMU did last last weekend. I watched at least 21 of those innings. We were all over it watching it. Um, it, it was awesome. I really enjoy watching the JMU uh, softball girls and rooting for them and liking them beating Liberty twice. I like them knocking off the nine seed Tennessee. It was all great. Uh, you know, we talked about Kate Gordon and Odyssey Alexander but also these other girls that stepped up this weekend that that they've stepped up all season. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I, I listed off highlight players last week because it was the girls I kind of remembered the most. Uh, but the Meeks girl, the Najakis girl, the Jubas girl, all uh, all of them had big hits at different times to get them those those three victories. Uh, so it was fun to watch all weekend. And uh, the kids, my, my girls were getting to it. My whole family was getting into it. And uh, so we really enjoyed watching that. And we're going to look forward to watching Missouri. Uh, playing the, playing them at Missouri. Interesting with these two teams playing each other. They have played each other in recent history. All since 2017, they played each other three times. And uh, JMU's won two of those three games, so they need to at least do that again uh, this, this weekend is win two or three games. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is in 2017, when JMU lost their only game to Missouri that they have, Odyssey Alexander was on the mound that game. So it's just going to be interesting. That coaching staff probably has a good idea of what Odyssey brings to the table, but Odyssey's grown a lot since then. And and she's a much better pitcher. She has commanded that, you know, number one spot role in the rotation as, as a starter. I mean, she, she pitched the whole weekend. Uh, She had a couple innings off in that third game and that's, and and then she came back in and finished it, uh, which I'm unused to seeing in diamond sports where a pitcher leaves and comes back in. But, she was great uh, most all the weekend, and uh, she was facing tough competition. So I'm very optimistic of what, J- what JMU can do against Missouri and uh, be rooting for them. I keep saying to my wife, I hope JMU plays Tech. I hope that happens because that means we're in the College World Series. We're both in the College World Series, and uh, it would cause an argument for a night when we play each other, but I, I would just want both those teams to advance and get in that College World Series. Yeah, and I misspoke. If they if JMU was the last number one seed, they would have been a 16. They would have been going to Oklahoma to get bounced. Um, Virginia Tech <laughs> is going yeah. to L.A. to get bounced True. because they're playing the number two seed in UCLA. Yeah, and that's where, uh, you know, my hope of playing each other in the College World Series really came in. I think JMU absolutely has a path to get there. J- Virginia Tech has a much tougher one. They're playing the defending national champions. Yeah. UCLA is this team that knocked out JMU a couple years ago in the Super Regionals when uh, JMU went there last, the last time they could have. Um, and 
it's a tough team. And I saw this weekend, I was watching UCLA play some, and it, they have the same pitcher. She must have been a freshman when she played against JMU. She's still dominant on the mound there. So that's going to be a very tough team for Tech to beat. I'll be rooting for it. I'll be hoping for it. Oh, yeah. We'll see what happens. And, uh, I mean, they knocked off Arizona uh, in the middle of those Arizona BYU State victories. I mean, they they blew through that tournament. They scored a plenty of runs and, and did a great job but, and knocked off Arizona, a Pac-12 team. Arizona that, State. Arizona State. I didn't bold the state, but Arizona State's very good. Um, I, I was picturing the right team because I did watch some of those games as well. Uh, they were just later in the day. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a go- good weekend of softball. I was watching LSU play. I was watching Florida State play. I was watching Clemson play. I was watching a bunch of different teams play throughout the weekend. But it was awesome to see, you know, the two teams I care about most winning and dominating. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to next weekend. Uh, starting Thursday, and that's that's Virginia Tech starting Thursday night again, being out on the West Coast. They'll be playing at 9.30 every night, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and I would figure they'll probably need Saturday if we want Tech to win. So uh, we'll be watching it there. Those games, since it's UCLA's the opponent, those will be on ESPN and ESPN2. So Yeah, when you play the number one or number two team, you, you tend to get the ESPN1 or the Doze, So Get that Alabama time slot. There you go. Um, moving on to the NHL. So, in the NHL playoffs, we've seen the Colorado Avalanche sweep the St. Louis Blues uh, because the Colorado Avalanche are really good. We've seen yeah, they are. the Vegas Golden Knights have a 3-1 lead. That By the time you're listening to this podcast, they will probably have eliminated the Minnesota Wild because I don't see the Minnesota Wild surviving tonight against Vegas. So you'll have the one and two, which might be the one and two best teams in the league playing each other in the next round there in Colorado and Vegas in the North. It's going to get a little hectic. So they're going to have to kind of speed up the Toronto Montreal series because they have taken so long to start and it's one, one. So what they've decided to do is play tonight uh, Toronto and Montreal, and then again, Tuesday night, games three and four. I still think Toronto will find a way to win that series. Um, the Oilers, they're about to get swept by the Jets, probably. Um, it They're down 3-0, so yikes. They play tonight, so it's possible that by the time you're listening to this, Edmonton and Minnesota will be donezo. The Penguins, they are tied 2-2 in the series, and they are tied in this game right now. Looks like the Penguins against the New York Islanders. And what I remember I said, hockey is a crazy sport with crazy upsets. This would be the first, well, second upset, possibly third. I guess the Jets and the Lightning, technically. But (laughs) this would be the first, (laughs) this would be the real first, like, shockwave upset because... With the Islanders, they're taking out a number one seed here. So that's that would be a big upset uh, if they're it's able to take two out two the Penguins. Here. It is still 2-2, two, two, but if the Islanders... Game or a tied game. Yeah, I mean, look, if the Islanders, even if they don't win tonight, if they win Wednesday night and force a Game 7, that's big. And Barry Trotz is a very good coach in Game 7, so the Islanders are a very a dangerous good coach. Out. Whoever let him go from the previous team should maybe have rethought that. Yeah, I bet they're not still alive in the playoffs. And uh, they lost to the up. Bruins. Yeah, they lost to the Bruins 4-1. So they lost in double overtime. And Leland loved gloating about it and saying, oh, do you love playoff hockey now? And all that. And, um, yeah. Did I talk that much? I must have been drinking some cream sodas or something. I forgot talking that much crap on it. 
Yeah, well, no, actually, no I think... You were quiet with no, that, that was yeah. the Lightning Panthers one. Um, oh, I was definitely drilling you about that one. No, Bill Piner was the one commenting on my Facebook status about the Caps losing in double overtime and him not being able to watch. And as I told him, and I've said on this podcast many times before, the pain is what lets me know I'm alive. So, um... Sometimes, as a sports fan, you know, you're just that guy in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom that is being sacrificed. And you're sitting there watching, especially with the Capitals. You're sitting there watching, and you're like, oh, wow, I wonder what's about to happen. And then the Boston Bruins will reach in your reach into your chest and scream Kali Ma as they rip your ch- heart out of your chest and eat it in front of you. And then you're like, oh, that's right, I forgot. I'm a fan of the Washington Capitals, and they live to kill me. So... Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. After that double overtime game and we go down 2-1 in the series, it didn't feel great. And uh, then we got, we lose uh, game four to make it 3-1. I didn't get to watch that game, and I'll tell you why uh, here in the D block. But that was, a, that was just a gift to not have to watch that game. And then I didn't watch game five either because I knew how it was all going to play out. I mean, the Washington Capitals... To be honest, they were a little dinged up, but even with that excuse, they just didn't have any urgency. Their defense wasn't good enough in the playoffs. It was atrocious. We had some goalie injuries, which stunk, but we had a third-string goalie. The double overtime game sucked because the way you lost is the goalie came out to try to play the puck, and he didn't advance it, which he should have, but then the defender also didn't go get the puck, which he definitely should have. Instead, he kind of took a wide angle, which let the Boston players skate in directly to get the puck, he wraps around and scores the goal, and that's how you lose in double overtime. And I'm saying not podcast-friendly words at my television and just, yeah, somewhere between angry. I think I put on there, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Or I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed and furious. So is to talk about leaving uh, non-podcast-friendly words out, so is that the return of the Caps being suck again? I think. Like, is this... Well, and here's the other thing, right? This is the last year of Ovechkin's contract. So now we have to decide, do you re-sign him? He's definitely getting up there in age. So, and the window is closed, I think, for the Capitals. I think he's in his mid-30s, mid-to-upper 30s. Yager still went like another 15 years after that. Yeah. Alexander Ovechkin, now, you know, this is something that people say a lot of things, and then when push comes to shove, they make other decisions. He's 35. Um, he has said that he either wants to pl- keep playing for the Washington Capitals or go play in Russia. So the, the idea of not having there. to play him in the NHL, great. Love it. I think if I'm the Caps, I think your window's closed. I don't think you're winning another Stanley Cup with the current core you have. So part of me is like, yeah, just re-sign him and you know, sell tickets You'll, you'll be competitive, but you're not going to win a Stanley Cup. It's just not going to happen. Um, you can sell tickets based on, you know, your team being somewhat competitive still. And then also, you got Ovechkin chasing Gretzky right now. That's that's what you're selling tickets for. Because if, if you sign him to a long enough deal, and I'd say if he plays, you know, three-ish more years, I think that's a realistic goal for him. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's what you do if you're the Caps. That being said, if the Caps are like, look, he's going to be 35, turning 36 before next year, um, not interested. Okay, I get it. I, I just, you better go, you better improve the defense because the defense was atrocious and, and just was not good enough. And 
you got some young goalies that you're hoping work out, but very obviously you went and signed Henrik Lundqvist in the offseason, and then he had a heart condition, which you weren't planning for. But you obviously didn't trust him enough to start the season. So I don't know if that's another thing they go after or if they just try to build on Samsonov. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but that one definitely sucked. Um, in This one is a little frustrating in the Central. So the Carolina Hurricanes, who should have swept the Nashville Predators. You completely dismissed the Predators last week. Should have swept the Nashville Predators. Both of their losses, one in double overtime and one in overtime. It's just so frustrating. The Carolina Hurricanes are by far a superior team. But they are messing around and uh, letting the Nashville Predators in this series, which is infuriating. Um, the Panthers, I can see them losing to the Lightning. I get it. I didn't want it to happen, but I was very worried what is happening is happening. Uh, would happen because Kucherov and Stamkos, who didn't play the whole year, are now on the Lightning for the playoffs because there's no salary cap in the NHL. And that's two of the Lightning's best players. And their goalie is one of the best goalies in the league. So, yeah, that could set up to be a disaster for the Panthers. It has. They're down 3-1. They're probably going to lose. If not tonight, they will lose Wednesday. That series is not going to go 7 like I had hoped. Um, Hurricanes and Predators might go seven just because the Carolina Hurricanes have messed around here and lost both games in Nas Nashville, which I don't think they should have lost either one. I, I, you know, I watched parts of those games and I just could not believe that the Predators got both of those into overtime, let alone winning them. So I think for the Carolina Hurricanes, this is kind of, uh, a, a shows a weakness. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to clean up the Carolina Hurricanes in the next round. Or the Predators, I guess, if the Predators somehow win that series. Uh, I think this is the Tampa Bay Lightning going to the Stanley Cup Final. I think this, that's, uh, that's a done deal, in my opinion. So, Because um, I think what will happen is the team from the West will probably get uh, a team from the North, maybe. And I, I think you're watching the East and Central champions probably having to play each other. And in that case, yeah, I like the Lightning. I think you're right. I think uh, I think I have it organized there. That right. I think the Avalanche will take end up taking on a Canadian team is basically where I think we're. Well, heading. it depends on who wins because whoever the four teams that come out, whoever had the most regular season points, will play the team that had the least. So it's going to be uh, reseeded. So I, I'm just making. They have it built not that right. way. So yeah, but I, I'm just making a prediction that I think what will end up happening is. I guess if I'm saying the Islanders win, maybe I don't say that. Wow. You know what? If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and you get a team from Canada, what? Lucky McLuckerston, you will plow through them. Just really, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you don't want the Avalanche or the Knights. If you don't get the Avalanche or the Knights, you're in the Stanley Cup final. It's a done deal. You're there. And then you're playing the Avalanche or the Knights. So that's when it gets tough. But I, I think... I think it might be the Avalanche and the Lightning in that Stanley Cup right now. I love it. Somebody told me to root for the Avalanche, and so I have been. In the NBA, um, can I just say, Golden State losing to Memphis was frustrating. But And then <laughs> Memphis comes out and beats, uh, beats the one seed in, in game one. They're using their momentum. I, I'll give them credit. I, I, it's not going to last. The Jazz will win that series. Yeah. But. I, I credit Memphis. I think that's the two storylines from the last week to really to really talk about here is Memphis getting through the play-in tournament 
increasing their seed by doing that, knocking out the Warriors, and then winning game one. So, I, I mean, they're riding the high. We don't see that continuing. But, you know, great, good on them. Good for them. They have a lot of young talent there. Other than Grayson Allen, it's a fun team to watch. I was just waiting for Grayson Allen to start kicking somebody or, you know, biting someone's finger or something. You know, I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing from the from from that. Uh, the other thing, I, staying in the West, is the Lakers did squeak it out against the Warriors in the play-in game, but then they do it with LeBron hitting what everybody calls a game winner with 58 seconds left. I just don't <laughs> call that a game winner. I'm just like... Well, technically it was, but yeah, I know I get what you mean. Why didn't anybody else score the rest of the game? That's what amazes me is when I see that highlight of him making up because I wasn't watching live. When I see him making a shot with 58 seconds left, they say it's the game winner and I see the score bug in the corner and then it never changed. And that's the final. Like, why didn't Steph Curry make a shot? Why didn't at some point Golden State foul the Lakers and make sure they didn't score another, but I don't know. Uh, like that's a long time in the surprising. NBA to not have points. I agree with you. Clutch shot. Sure. I I'll give it clutch. I I'm not arguing that it was a big moment and he made a big shot and, and I like LeBron. I'm, I'm not trying to make this negative LeBron time, which I'm gonna, uh, I just don't Love call it. it. I just, it's not the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like ESPN's trying to tell me, and I just don't call that a game winner. I, I guess it did, did decide the game, but I feel like a game winner is a shot when it's made. You call it a game winner. You don't wait another minute of gameplay before you decide that. Um, that's how I look at those kind of shots. But good for him to make the shot. I'm glad no one, you know, breathed on him too hard right before he made it. Otherwise, he'd be laying on the court thriving God. in pain. That's what I really noticed in that game one that they lost to the Suns on Sunday is that every time a player is within the realm of movement of LeBron, he just hits the floor and it's the worst injury ever. And then you hear the announcers like, oh, LeBron playing through pain. Like a guy grazes his back shoulder. LeBron hurls himself forward into the on down under the basket. Then all of a sudden benches are clear into like fight about something like the dude is apparently a soccer player. He's just faking an injury over here. I like LeBron, but I, I'm so sick of seeing this. And when I went back over the last two weeks and rewatched some of the last dance, the story of the 1998 Chicago Bulls. And it talks about Michael Jordan and the Bulls can rise in the eighties and nineties to what they were. I just didn't see a whole lot of guys flopping around on the floor, faking injury. I saw the Detroit Pistons putting a lot of people into the ground and Michael Jordan standing up from it. Scotty Pippen standing up from it. New York Knicks bashing people under the rim. Scotty Pippen going over top some New York Knicks to dunk right in their face. That's what I was seeing. So I just, I, I want to like the NBA, but watching old NBA doesn't help me like the current NBA because I see too many guys flopping around. And as much as I've liked LeBron over his career, I'm not tending to root for him now because he's a Laker. But seeing that kind of stuff, it's just I'm ugh, it's just disgusting to watch. And I, ugh, it's just I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. I'm going to watch Space Jam because of it. I'm not going to watch Space Jam because <laughs> I think it's going to be dumb. Um, but I'm not. Look, I appreciate LeBron for what he is. He's a great basketball player. One of the best of all time. I'm with you. I still think Jordan's better, but not to get into that debate here. Yeah. We got all summer. I I can't stand what happened in game one. One, he shouldn't have been playing in the game because he violated the NBA protocols, which you're not yeah. supposed to do. Uh, 
you hear that news? Did you ever think there was a second that he wasn't going to be playing? They just don't have the rules. Yeah, that's why I I agree. Don't have the rules. If if LeBron James can do it and not get suspended, then it shouldn't be a rule. Don't have it be a rule. So that's my thing with that. Uh, Or change your policy publicly beforehand. Say you can be at events if you're vaccinated. Well, but he's not. Of people and all that, like uh, lay all that stuff out. Yeah, but he's not, and that's the thing, and I they know it. Know that's fine. So, it it, yeah. it made news when uh, Dennis Schroeder said LeBron and him were the only ones on the team that uh, weren't vaccinated. So, um, yeah, and then he's rolling around on the floor. I, I guess I just wish the the official would have said, "No, you're way too hurt. That that looked yeah. too serious. You're done for the game. You can't come back." You're rolling around the floor like somebody killed you. Get off the floor. You're done. I, I don't want you to risk your health. What is that in soccer? It, it, like when it's obvious they're faking, he's just like, get your butt to the side. Well, it's supposed to be get a yellow card. Yeah. It's supposed to be a technical foul for sim if you're faking in basketball. I mean, just just tell him, hey, look, obviously you're too injured. Home. Obviously you're, you're rolling around the floor like somebody you know shot you out of the stands. Obviously you're too injured to play in this game. I'm sorry, you're done for the game. You're going to have to go sit. And then, you know, the Lakers will lose to the Suns because you're not playing. And then maybe next time you'll actually play basketball instead of, you know, trying to win an Oscar during an NBA game. I'm telling you, it's not even good acting when he's rolling around the floor pretending he's hurt. Because he's rolling around like a – I'm like, if your shoulder really hurt, and this is how – this is a great test for when anyone's ever injured. If they're rolling around like that, they're not actually hurt because you would be in so much pain, you would freeze. So the fact that he's doing it, I'm like, man, Space Jam 2 is going to be terrible acting. He's going to be in there. He's going to be <laughs> reading his cue cards. It's going to be bad. Yeah, Bugs, I, just, I hope we win against the Monstars or whatever they're calling this goofy team that they're playing in Space Jam 2. You know what? I don't think it's goofy. I don't think I'm not going to get it canceled because I'm a firm believer, and if you don't like something, you just don't watch it or just don't buy it. Um, so I'm just not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. You're going to watch Mortal Kombat and King I'm going to watch Mortal Kombat and uh, I might watch Kong again. Yeah, Kong versus Godzilla again <laughs> instead, even though I'll hate watch it. Uh, just to not watch LeBron's Space Jam 2. Jordan's was better. Jordan's uniforms just... were better too, by the way. Let me, let's talk about that. The, the uniforms that came out in those Classic. pictures, hate them. Yeah. Hate them. There it's are like people freezing. When people are freezing to death in the winter, that should never happen. We should round up all those Toon Squad jerseys and set them on fire and allow homeless people to gather around them so they don't freeze to death at night. Because those and things most of those are umpires should are not have seen that. the light of day. Yes, I yes, the umpires that will be homeless after I have fired them for being so terrible at their jobs and don't let them get any other jobs. They can huddle around the Toon Squad jerseys from Space Jam too. Those things should have never seen the light of day. In fact, it maybe it was designed by an MLB umpire because it's obviously someone who has no vision. Yeah, it's tough. I, the, the main point that I wanted to hit here, too, though, is everybody keeps I mean, you listen to ESPN and you just you keep hearing. Well, how that's because it's an are. NBA deal. <laughs> uh. You keep hearing how great the Lakers are and they're going to turn on the switch. When are they going to turn that switch on? How many games do they need to get behind the Suns before they do that? I, right now. They'll win I thought two. they were. I thought they needed this switch on so they didn't get a play in game. Oh, well, then they they did still need to play on game. And then I was like, okay, well, they'll just control the Warriors. Well, they, they barely beat. They had to take a, you know, a game-winning shot with 58 seconds left to beat a depleted Warriors team. 
I, I'm not impressed by that victory. I don't think the switch is on in that victory. And then it obviously wasn't on Sunday. So just keep waiting and watching. I mean, I guess they can. I, I won't be shocked by any means if the Lakers win that series. I don't think one game decides it by any means. It's just, yeah, I, I watch highlights after highlights of this team not playing very good. And at some point, they're going to have to play good to even come out of the West, much yeah. less advance in a series. I hear you. I think it starts in game two. I think they win probably game so. two and probably win in five. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just, I, I do have some doubts and I don't think game one rested any of those. Um, Let's head east. The yeah, Sixers I, beat I the know, Wizards in game is, one. And what was actually kind of a close game for a while? I was kind of impressed with the Wizards' performance in that game. I mean, the Wizards getting looking bad against the Celtics and then coming out and playing tough against the Pacers. I appreciated that out of the Wizards. I, I'll give them credit there. I think the Knicks... I don't know what to make of them. I'm kind of cheering for the Knicks just because the atmosphere in that game was fun. I know they lost that game, but they've been so bad for so long. And I usually generally hate the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I, who am I rooting for in the East? I guess uh, I'm kind of pulling for the Knicks just to, like, surprise everybody as much as they can. I, are they going to make it to the NBA Finals? No. But have some fun getting there and, and have a fun environment and do what you can. I just No one else is likable in the East for me. I, I mean, the Heat. You don't like Milwaukee? I have interest, but I'm not into Milwaukee. I'm not into the Nets. Do you I, hate Giannis because he's Greek? I, yeah, so it's purely, you know. Because he's a European and you think all European, European players are soft. Thing. Yeah, I, that's that's what it is. The 76ers I've tried to like. I don't like um, in, uh, Embiid. I don't really <laughs> like him. So I just, is he another, you know, European? I don't. No, he's not. He talks weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> you should just say they're from Philly and that's why you're not going to root for him. <laughs> I'll get John mad at us. Reason. I got set up at a party this weekend. Uh, the guy that invited me th- thought the other guy was a Pittsburgh fan. And so, yeah, you guys all have that to talk about. So he comes over and we kind of hit a couple things on sports. And I was like, hey, and I, I hear you're from Pittsburgh. Like, that's awesome. I'm a Steelers fan. He's like, wrong side of the state. I was like, oh, my goodness. I've, I got set up so poorly. I, I got set up with an Eagles fan. It's I mean, we don't talk football when I mean, you just stay away from that argument. So, yeah. Eh. Um, There's no reason to have that argument. There's no, you know, it's not the Baltimore rivalry. It's not the '70s Super Bowls with Dallas rivalry. It's, you know, you it's just a one-sided talk about rivalry. rivalry. Yeah, you got your side of the state. We got ours. <laughs> I'll I'll say the thing in the East is I, the Bucks are gonna beat the Heat this time around. That seems pretty obvious. In a game where Milwaukee did not game, play yeah. great, in Game One they won. Game Two is going very decidedly Milwaukee's way right now. I, and I think Brooklyn is who comes out of the East, so I, I don't know. Yeah, if they have all three guys back, it's 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 hard to say that they're not going to do it. And and plus, they are a two seed. Mm-hmm. They're not the Lakers, you know, trying to act like a top seed coming from number seven. The Nets are actually seeded in the in the top two, and so they have favorable matchups along the way. Well, on that note, we will get out of the A block and we will head to the B block. Okay, we are back here on the B block, and as I alluded to, we are going to go to something Jeff recommended, which was Mashables. Uh, Tim Marson or Markin, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, um, 
ranked all 185 episodes of The Office. He had he went on a scale. Uh, he did several factors: one being laughs, two importance to the Office universe, three memorability and quotability, and four emotional weight. And he ranked all the episodes on The Office. So we disagree quite a bit, um, and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, his number one episode is Casino Night, which I like that's Casino Night. It's not number one for me. Um, Dundee's is another episode he had in his... That was number two. Love that episode. Not going to be in my... I don't think that's in my top five, though. Maybe it is. Uh, Fun Run, good episode. Too high. Goodbye, Michael. Way too high. Uh, Garage Sale, super too high. Yeah. That's his top five. So we already have problems there. The episode I thought was one of the funniest episodes and is my favorite episode is Diversity Day. And he's got it in the 102. 102. Yeah. So, uh, you know, can't believe it. He had a lot of season one ranked low. And and I love season one. So for me, um, that's going to be another point of contention. Um, And and I just, I definitely disagreed with this. I'm, I'm glad Jeff showed it to me so I could look at it. And it reminds me of all the episodes and, kind of go through them and relive them but just odd to me that some of these episodes are where they are like murder at number 68 i love that episode yeah you like that one more than i do and 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 we we dove into this last year and that's why we'll be quicker on our personal thoughts and debating each other but like trying to attack his list like yeah you you like the murder episode more than i did he likes um he has uh (laughs) <laughs> the uh michael scott movie episode the uh midnight um why am i blank and threat level midnight threat level midnight he has that way up and i i don't really love that one at all um, yeah so i disagreed there one thing i saw going through his list he had the client higher up than what i remember us having in our brackets and in the client i did actually watch the other day and that is a great episode it we is. got tim meadows coming in and i i think if I, I look back at our bracket, I'm like, okay, well, why didn't I have that higher? Well, in our bracket, the client was up against dinner party in the first round. And so I was like, okay, that's why I don't like the client easily could have been a final four team for me, probably uh, in a bracket, uh, particularly with matchups, but definitely like a top 10 episode, I, I think. And so I really like the client that reminded me reading this reminded me of that. Uh, he had Benny Hanna down at 47. I had Benny Hanna. Uh, I think in my top two, um, which matchups were uh, were part of that. I say in this and that bracket was built by favorite. I think I think the office. It was either the office or NBC built the bracket yeah. last year. Yeah, and um, but yeah, the diversity day. Both of us had diversity day winning because that one's just laugh after laugh after laugh. We acknowledge that you really can't even probably put that episode on TV uh, new now because you'd get canceled. Um, but it's, a, it's just a funny, great episode. And even if it's not like the best episode, dropping it all the way to 102 just amazes me uh, for this list. So I, I kind of came away with that same thing. Um, but I did appreciate this list, uh, Office Olympics being up high. Um, I, I That's a great episode when Michael's buying his condo. Jim's back there leading uh, the Office Olympics back in the um, in the office there and, and merely making everybody have the 
fun time. He had the finale and Michael's goodbye really high up there. I'll say those are the strongest episodes from those seasons, um, but just not finale being number six on the list. Not for me. I, I, I watch finale every time it comes on because it does wrap things up in a way that makes you smile. But mm-mm. but yeah, the garage sale at number five jumps off the page. This is way too high, just way too high. And um, so I, I don't know. I enjoyed the list. I, I, I when Jeff sent it to me, I couldn't look at it immediately. But then I definitely probably neglected parenting for a little bit to look through this list and 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 look through it when I could, um, because it it's just fun to relive and see his opinions and stuff. Yeah, he had the client on his 11. Um, that's a great episode. Just a really great episode. Um, so, yeah, I overall appreciate the, the effort that goes in the list. But the, like you said, the laughs, importance of all into Office Universe, memorability, quotability, and emotional weight. I just probably don't give those things that much weight. The importance to the Office Universe, I would just minimize how much that matters because that way you, the finale and the and the goodbye Michael would drop, and mm-hmm. um, and and other episodes that he probably that he has high that don't matter as much. I'm there to laugh in a moment. I don't need to advance the story a light year to make it a great episode. I, I diversity day doesn't really advance that story very much, but it's so funny. So great where the laughs and memorable memorability and quotability is so much more important for my watching of the office. Yeah. I was going to say the, the laughs and memorability and quotability. I'm with you there. That's what makes the episodes to me. And that's why, you know, some other ones that I couldn't believe when I was looking at him, how low he had them. Um, and I just scrolled off of it to go look and try to see where he put another episode that I hadn't seen yet. And unfortunately, I should not have done that because now I can't remember which episode <laughs> I was thinking of. But, um, oh, the injury at 110. Yeah, that's low. Man, I, I love that episode. Like my, a general flow that I saw that I think matches your and my's ratings is that it does seem like a lot of season one through four, particularly maybe one through three are, are generally in the top. I know we are pointing out episodes that are dropping out of the top 100, but like if you saw these charted by season, you would see that stronger rating up front. But like you seasons, what seven, eight, nine, I'm it's hard for to crack a top, you know, yeah. 40 for me yeah. uh, with one of those episodes. Like none of those are that great. And if we are talking one of those episodes, it is good by Michael or finale, but still is probably at that limit. It's not in the top 10. Yeah. I just, for me, I couldn't believe when I'm looking at some of these episodes that he has and where he has them, like classy Christmas being in the top 25. No, I I think that one's, you know, yeah, somewhat that funny, but yeah, that Benny one's somewhat funny, but, Ah, uh, that's not even the, I don't even think that's the, yeah, it's definitely not the one. Um, for me, the funniest Christmas one is better than that. Yeah. One. Phyllis playing Santa is the funniest Christmas one for me. I mean, that one, I, I love that one. Um, I can't even, uh, those are the ones we can't even quote on this podcast because the yeah. lines you want to go to are just completely offensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, company picnic is way too high. I mean, I like that episode, but way too high at 18. Um, stress relief. Conflict resolutions twenty seven. Like yeah, I, I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand. And I guess you know, like you said, it's it's what he did with the um, the rankings. Work bus and, is thirty two. Work bus is not in my top one hundred. No, it, it's where he puts in you know the importance of the office universe and emotional weight. Just for me, um, 
that matters some, but not near. I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't but say see, it's equal why, parts. That's what gets casino. That's what gets Casino Night up there. I like Casino. I think Casino Night. You know, if you tell me it's a top ten episode, okay, I'm probably not arguing. Like, I don't know if I make that list and definitely have it up there, but Casino Night's a great episode, and it does move the story. I mean, it's a it's one of the most important episodes of the show. I mean, it that the results of that episode bring in uh, so many great characters later. Um, it it opens up the office universe from what we had, had experienced and also allows it to come back together later. Like Casino Night is a very, very important episode. Um, it really, you know, shows Janin's intentions with Michael uh, in a different light. And, and um, it it's one of those early episodes where first two seasons where first season you never see Michael on top, but Casino Night, Michael does a good job and he puts on a good party and he and he is smooth at times. And even his bumbling way. Um, so yeah, I can see that one being up there, but that's what makes it top one. When you start putting, moving the story along, that's why it's number one. And and you can just see that. And I, I can get that maybe diversity day is not as high on his list that it would be for us, but it, it's gotta be better than one Oh two. My goodness. Yeah, I agree with you. So, uh, with that note, we'll go ahead and get off of this topic, but Again, thank you to Jeff for back, Jeff, bringing it to Leland and I's attention <laughs> and keep throwing ideas at us, and we'll keep talking about them. Summer's coming. Yeah, it is, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And we're going to need all the help we can get with some of those. Otherwise, we'll be talking about a lot of uniforms and helmets and things we like there. So if you have any ideas for topics to throw Leland and I during the summer, keep them coming. We'll get to them when we can. Until then, uh, we'll be back with the Deep Block right after this. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Yak Sports Podcast. Leland, what is dominating your life? You know what? I talked about what dominated my life this weekend in the sports world and entertainment and was softball. What did not dominate my life this weekend might be surprising to some, even myself a little bit. I barely watched this PGA tournament this weekend. I know it's usually in August. It being moved to May doesn't phase me at all. I, I think when I heard that they were moving the schedule because the Olympics were going to be in August, they, they, were, they had the same thing on the books last year. Something got in the way. Uh, so now with the Olympics now in this August, they don't want the PGA tournament to happen during the Olympics. I get it. They move it to May. It's nice between the Masters and the U.S. Open in their traditional spots. I like it. Uh, I was aware of it. I tuned in on Thursday a minute. The softball dominated me. But then Phil Mickelson leading it over the weekend, sharing the lead, having the lead outright, Sunday, getting it done. The oldest champion of a major tournament forever. I mean, it's it's an awesome feat. And we talk about a lot of these guys, Jack Nicholas. Um, Arnold Palmer, all the old guys that have never won at an older age than what Phil Mickelson is now winning the PGA. It's great. Good for Phil. I, it just didn't, didn't move the needle for me. I just, it didn't bring me in when tiger was winning the masters the other year, I canceled plans. I told my family, I, you will not see me. I'll be at home. I'm watching tiger. None of nothing, even close to that for this. I honestly didn't even, we were watching softball and, turning through an, uh, the NASCAR race because it was raining and looked cool on TV. Um, and we were stopping by the Lakers-Suns game. I 
was barely on the golf on even on Sunday with Phil leading two strokes in. I'm I'm not against Phil. I think I used to be. I think early Phil I was because he just he finished second so many times at the P, at the uh, U.S. Open. I just thought he was a loser. He's not. He's a very good golf player. He's a likable guy. He's just never been my guy. And this weekend never pulled me in. And for those of you that thought it was great, I'm happy for you. It just didn't move the needle for me. And so I was interested to see the ratings today, and I actually have missed those stats. It ain't touching Tiger winning the Masters the other year, A, because it's not the Masters, B, because it's not Tiger. But it'll it'll get a solid rating. But it just didn't it didn't draw me in. I, I'd rather watch those girls at JMU playing softball, and I made that decision and, and, and watched it and was happy with it. So congratulations to Phil, but I, I didn't watch it. Yeah, uh, well, UME shared that in common then this weekend because it also did not dominate my life. What did dominate my life was making some cribbage boards. And if you've never played the game of cribbage, uh, I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, It's kind of like Rummy in that you're going for runs and pairs, but you're also counting up to 15s and 31s um, while you're playing your hand and uh, it, it's a really fun game, but what led me to make these cribbage boards is I was l- learned from my grandparents and I didn't have any cribbage boards that were like the ones I had learned on, which is basically in an oval shape, kind of like a horse track. Uh, now they make them S shaped and tightly grouped, uh, to save on wood. I'm assuming. Um, but I wanted one in the shape I had learned on. So what we ended up doing, uh, my uncle had a wood shop, so he got the wood. He got a template for us to be able to drill the holes, and we drilled the holes, and now all that's left is to stain and put some lines on it and then polyurethane it to make sure it stays. Uh, but I am very happy with the cribbage boards that were made. Uh, my uncle made sure I didn't cut my hands off with the miter saw, which was great, and then uh, didn't sand the skin off of my fingers while I was sanding the piece of wood, which was also great. And uh, he also made sure I didn't kill myself with a drill. So three wins, win, win, win. Um, The important difference was that I also got the satisfaction of making two pretty good cribbage boards. So um, (laughs) that was fun. And uh, I love how that was laced in office quote. I love it. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, Again, just wanted to thank him and uh, my aunt and uh, my cousins for letting me crash at their place while I did that. Uh, Speaking of, uh, what I know that you need to know, I was at uh, my cousin's soccer game. Uh, He plays for a Class 4 team in Pulaski County, the Pulaski County Cougars, um, who, again, the Galax football coach is now there uh, for football, but my cousin's playing soccer. Did you tell him how bad his old team got beat? No, I didn't see him. Um, probably for the best. <laughs> um, but they were playing Cave Spring High School. And Cave Spring High School had some people there that were kind of loud. And, you know, they're Cave Spring. And they're of a certain class. So they, like, <laughs> they think they're better than everybody. And um, so they're making some noise. And I'm being quiet and just, you know talking to my aunt who I'm sitting next to and the official had a very hard job. I don't think he actually saw the play. He just saw what he thought was the result of a play. 
The ball, Cave Spring is putting across into the box. Kid from Cave Springs knows he's not going to get there, but does one of those things where he slides, trying to get his foot on it to aim it back toward the goal. The kid from Pulaski County slides to try to block it from getting to him. The referee, I don't think, was looking. He just looks back, sees two kids on the ground and the box, and says, oh, he must have been fouled, and points at the spot. I... The kids from Cave Springs are now making a bunch of noise. Well, not kids. They're grown-ups. Are now making a bunch of noise and celebrating. And I, still not very loud, just go, that was kind of soft. Loud enough for them to hear, but not yelling. And then the ball uh, gets saved by Pulaski County's goalie, who I learned also doubles as an offensive lineman during football. So that kind of describes his stature and how he's not usually built like most goalies. But the kid from Cave Springs did not aim for a corner. He put it within reach. The kid was able to stick his hand out, knock it aside, get the save. And for a moment, I, you know, look, some people say, Joe, this is where you maybe, you know, went a little far. It's a high school soccer game. I just wanted to make sure the people at Cave Springs knew they didn't score. And that I thought the penalty was a bad call. I wanted to make sure I, the official knew that I thought it was a bad call. And I said, no goals for diving. And when I say I said it, I screamed it. So, um, <laughs> to which my cousin said that's how he knew we were at the game then, was because he heard that. And um, later, Pulaski County, on our end of the pitch, shoots it. It bounces off the goalie, but... Pulaski County puts it in on a rebound that goes straight to another Cougar, which was great. And I just wanted the Cave Springs fans to know, because it was kind of far away for them. It was a little further away. I wasn't sure if they could see. I just wanted to make sure they knew we scored. So I screamed in celebration, and then Pulaski County won, and I wanted to make sure they knew we won too, um, in case they couldn't see the scoreboard, because it was kind of tucked behind the trees a little bit. Um, So it was a great win. I felt like I handled myself very well. Um, and I just wanted to make sure the people at Cave Springs knew that, you know, they came up short to a good Pulaski County team, and uh, my cousin's team was able to beat them. So if, if we do catch any wind of them having any issues with your behavior of the game, we'll just point them towards the, the West Point fans, and we'll start a little club of these people that Joe has, has felt wronged by or wronged himself, and they can start a little anti-yak club. I'm, I'm for that, you know. It's good. It's good ratings. Being being hated is as good as being loved in the inter- entertainment industry. I mean, that I is mean. true. I, I will say the difference <laughs> is we didn't celebrate West Point getting their face kicked in like actively. I mean, we weren't like yeah. you don't celebrate the sun coming up every day. It's going to happen. Right. And look, <laughs> and this is how I felt with Cave Springs. I just really the, the penalty shot wasn't even really Cave Springs fans fault. They didn't make the call. The official blew the call, and I just needed the official to know that I thought he blew the call, and that karma prevailed when the kid from Pulaski County made the save, the goalie. Constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. I did say when he called it, I did say, sir. Good. And then, later after the save was made, I said, no goals for diving. So, that was the follow-up to the sir. I was very polite with the official. Um, and then, yeah, the goal, I just wanted to make sure the Cave Springs people knew we scored because they had done a lot of trash talking about how good they were and how they were going to dominate all these kids. And I just wanted them to know that, hey, these kids that you're dominating, you're actually losing to. So maybe you should pipe it down. And they did. Um, it was kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. They're fan. They have a fan who's, you know, 
not going to be quiet. So, uh, yeah, once they knew that, you know, there was a Pulaski County supporter that wasn't afraid to be a Pulaski County supporter, they kind of toned it down, not to mention they didn't really have a chance other than another a corner that they tried to put in there. But again, this is where the body of a lineman really came in to ha- help at the goalie position because he was taller than everyone else, too. And he just reached over, and a poor kid from Cave Springs ran right into his chest, and he just stood there with the ball in his hands. And I, in that moment, uh, I just said audibly out loud for my aunt and probably that kid's mom to hear, oh, that's why they put the offensive lineman in goal for that situation. Got it. Like Because before, I had even said to my aunt, I don't get that decision. That makes zero sense to me. That kid is not built like a goalie. Uh, and it worked out. So Pulaski County won one nothing. And uh, shout out to Cave Springs. Maybe put your soccer field a little closer to civilization and not up Mount Everest next time. So I don't feel like I've hiked a mountain uh, when I'm going to watch a soccer game. Just a uh, recommendation since I know you have the money and you're good for it. <laughs> uh, sounds good. I'm glad you're <laughs> on there. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Hill now, but, uh, at least... At least I know when you travel uh, down the road, you still stay true to yourself. That's what I can appreciate. All right. So what I know that you need to know is I know that there is no older person involved in the game of baseball than Tony Larusa. He is ancient. He is the last man standing for the, you know, unwritten rules of baseball that must be kept to a T. So even if you, an opposing team, put a first baseman in there to throw 47 mile an hour pitches, you still got to honor the game and, and take a three and O pitch. Otherwise you'll be punished by your own manager. I think it's the most ridiculous thing that I've heard in baseball in a long time. I'm not a guy that's against Tony LaRusa. I played his video game when I was a kid because he had awesome A's teams. And then he went to the Cardinals and they did great things there. And, and, and St. Louis is a great baseball city. And Tony LaRusa was a big part of that through the nineties and two thousands. He's done a lot of great things for baseball. This is not one of them. You know, having consequences for Carlos uh, or for, um, I have the wrong name in front of me, um, for the player that hit the baseball, it was his DH in uh, Yerman Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And I probably butchered that name. Mercedes is right. Mercedes is right. I know that word. Um, If he's getting punished, you know, I'm, I, I don't know in what way he's being punished, but it's too much. Just if if someone's going to disrespect the game by not having somebody that throws the ball over 50 mile an hour in there, then it, what happens to you? What happens to you? You're going to hit it 430 feet on a three and O pitch, and that's fine. I just think it's ridiculous. And we talked about these baseball and written rules, and I try. I know I lean old man, get off my lawn. But with these baseball and written rules, I'm just past it. I just if you want to bat flip, bat flip. If you want to be a little, have some character running around the bases like Tatis, do it. If you hit a game-winning shot in the playoffs and you have some reaction, you know, some emotion to it, I'm fine with that. And even this, a May game in a against a team that's no good, throwing a, getting their brains, brains beat in, and you're just going to add to it, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. You'd probably, I would rather this player not, you know, throw his bat and do dancing around the bases. I, I would think that might be a little much. But swinging on three and zero, do it. Stealing in the ninth when you're up, I don't care. Make them stop you. Stop you. That's that's my answer. If you don't want the ball to land in the ocean, 
don't throw it so I can hit it in the ocean. I think we learned that a couple years ago. So I'm just, I've, I, my respect for Tony LaRusa has dwindled, uh, to say the least, in the last months. And I thought it was surprising him coming back to Chicago. I thought it was surprising when they held on to him uh, with this DUI information. And I think this is another sign that the game's passed him by. Let him go talk on MLB Network some. Let him be an advisor to whatever team he wants to be. But he just doesn't need to be speaking nightly to reporters and managing these games if he's going to punish players for trying and um, when and, and hitting, hitting baseballs 430 feet. Well, and then he says he doesn't have a problem with uh, the Twins throwing behind Mercedes the next game. And here's the other thing with Mercedes, right? He's, he's a rookie. He's 28 years old, which means he's probably not going to get a great lucrative free agent deal by the time he hits no. free agency. So he needs it's to hit home, as buddy. many home runs as he can so he can get paid in arbitration and throughout that process leading up to it because he's not going to see the big free agent deal. Um, yeah, I, I don't care. You know what? Baseball, just hit the ball. It, Major League Baseball needs to get people like Tony La Russa out of the game, which I know Major League Baseball and, and the, the old fogies that run it don't want to do that because they like Tony La Russa. But when you run marketing campaigns saying, let the kids play, and then when the kids play, you're like, oh, don't play like that. No, no, you need them to play like that because they're having fun and they're trying to let people know, hey, baseball can be fun. But then you this have Tony LaRusso. Oh, we don't, we don't disrespect the game like that. that Tony LaRusso, you disrespect the game when you can't even get behind the wheel of a car without drinking and driving. So you shouldn't be leading anyone, in my opinion, unless you're leading them to a rehab clinic and then you're staying there. You should not be on the baseball diamond. You need to take care of you, not trying to tell these kids what they can do. I'm waiting for the day when he runs his mouth about how terrible his team is because they're disrespecting the game. And we wake up one morning, and it's like, oh, Tony LaRusso got beat half to death by a bunch of people in mass at the Chicago White Sox clubhouse with baseball bats. Wonder who did it. <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> I, I don't have time for Tony LaRusso and the old, the old guard at baseball anymore. Get out of the way. You're killing baseball. Get out of the way. We don't need you. You're the problem. I, I do appreciate each week you find new places for people to live in the game of Major League Baseball. <sighs> like, you, you don't get homes anymore. You need to spend time in a rehab clinic. I, I appreciate well, that you are. Well, it's not are, Tony. Let, let's put it this way. This offseason was not Tony LaRusso's first DUI. No, nope. it wasn't. So I, I agree with most of what you said. Maybe the ideas of correction are up for him to choose. But that's, uh, yeah, him, I, I don't like this at all. Baseball needs to get away from this kind of behavior. I don't mind him being around the game, but in a public manner, I don't think it's good for the game. I think he still has wise words to say as an advisor or something like that, but no. he just doesn't need to be the leader. He's of shown he can't advise the game. He shouldn't be involved with the game. If he has a problem with a dude hitting a grand slam on his team, he doesn't belong advising the game. Oh, I don't want people to win by too much. Okay, well, then you're, you're either putting in a slaughter rule or you're getting out of the way. And let me tell you what baseball, quote-unquote, baseball purists don't want. The rules to change. So get out of the way, old man. I don't love position players pitching. I, don't, I know there's a whole Twitter account that is, that's all they post about is position pitchers pitching, and you hear, see it every other night, somebody doing it. Maybe not every other night, but a lot. I, I don't love it. It's only happened in like a not blowout situation one time that I can remember, and it was actually Chris Davis. 
in extra innings. I think we played a 19-inning game against the Red Sox is what it was, and Chris Davis came in to pitch in the 19th inning, and we won. Yeah. That's Chris the Davis only time it's good. okay is when you're absolutely out of pitchers, not when you're like, oh, we don't want to use sure. any more bullpen arms because we're down 100 runs. Well, if you're down 100 runs, then stop sucking. Like, And that's coming from an yeah. Orioles fan whose team is going to be down at 100 runs at one point this year. It's going to happen. We'll probably pitch a position player. I think we already have this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't love it. But I don't love it. I don't love it. If some dude takes our guy deep, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, he's disrespecting the game by hitting our shorts. Pat Valeka has pitched already this year. You took Pat Valeka deep. What a jerk. Doing his job, scoring runs. What a jerk. Gosh, yeah, get out I of agree. the way, Tony Larusa, you old kook. Well, we are going to get out of the way for your listening pleasure and get uh, let you enjoy the week of sports here. We have some good high school action happening this week, uh, especially early in the week. So check into that. Try to get some of those retweeted. But obviously follow Patrick Height and Cody Elliott for scores from some of these big games happening this week around the area. And then we're going to be excited about the softball weekend. So watch out on Twitter. We might have something to say about that. Uh, but we will be next week on the podcast talking about all of it. And we look forward to that. And we'll be back to talk more sports on the Exports Podcast. We hope you'll follow us at Exports Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Our emails at yaksportspod at gmail.com. Or make sure you're subscribed to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. And you're telling your friends what we're talking about each and every week. We have a fun final stretch of the regular season here in these next few weeks. And then a fun spring jamboree is going to be happening around the state. We look forward to talking about all of it. And so make sure you're back with us next week on the Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.